Welcome back to another serving of the Dull Whip and Dreams podcast. As always, I'm your host, Maddie Limerick. And you know, this is my first year making a podcast, so sometimes things just go awry. Some of our episodes, we were missing a little bit of the uh, interview, those kinds of things. But we have a couple episodes that, for one way or another, just have not aired. But one of those episodes is of a true Halloween miracle reappeared out of nowhere. So that's what today's episode is. There's not going to be a history section because this story is unusual being one of those that were made in that World War II era where they were combining two very short stories to make one feature-length film. So today, for your spooky approval, I bring you The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad with our special guest, Ryan Christopher Thomas. For the month of October, Dole Open Dreams has a really fantastic sponsor. The Hunted Encore is an action comedy rock musical mockumentary web series about New York City vampire slayers. They're the winner of more than 70 awards at over 50 festivals worldwide. The Hunted Encore ranked number four in the USA, number 27 worldwide in the 2018 Web Series World Cup. The cast and creative team features alums of Broadway shows such as Hamilton, Dear Evan Henson, and Hadestown. Television series such as Empire, Ray Donovan, and The Affair. Films such as Star Wars, The Force Awakens, and Hook. Radio programs like This American Life, or even podcasts such as The Encounter Party. There are two seasons available now on the Fantasy Network. The total runtime is around 90 minutes, so it's a great addition to your Halloween viewing list. Visit thefantasy.network and search for The Hunted Encore. Now, the Open Dreams fans can receive 20% off any Charging Moose Media soundtrack or albums at chargingmoosemedia.bandcamp.com by using the code DOLWHIP at checkout. Be sure to drop them a line on Twitter at ChargingMooseNY or by using the hashtag HereComesTheVampires and let them know Dole and Dream sent you. And stay tuned after the show for a little taste of what the Haunted Encore has to offer you. Now back to the show. Welcome back. Back dreamers, I have today with me Ryan Christopher Thomas. Ryan and I go back very far. We lived in the same apartment during undergrad. I'm so excited that he's here to talk about this movie with y'all. Ryan, welcome. Hey, Maddie, glad to be here. Stoked about this. Let's let's do it. Me too. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and then why you pitched this movie to me? Uh, Yeah, so uh, as Matt said, we went to school together. Uh, I am an actor and composer slash musician-ish living in New York City. Um, By day, I am also in the wine trade. Um, And I have a pretty special connection to this movie, uh, specifically uh, Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Um, I saw it when I was a little, little kid, and the Headless Horseman scared me so bad that I did not pick up this film again for a very long time. Um, But when I was a teenager, I revisited it and was like, wow, this is actually really, really good. I really enjoyed it. And it's, a, it's become a bit of a, a Halloween tradition for me to, uh, to watch it every year around, around Halloween time. That, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and I'm also a huge fan of the story that it's based on, uh, the Washington Irving version. I've read a million times. Um, the writing is just 
incredible. Irving's prose is, is kind of second to none. Um, so there's, there's that element to it as well. Now, Ryan, you and I ended up going to grad. So you and I were, I'm sorry, in undergrad, just up the road from, down the road from Terrytown. We're not too far from where it takes place in the Hudson Valley. Yes, that's true. And in fact, um, you know, I'm originally from the Hudson Valley and, uh, Another story uh, that Irving wrote, Rip Van Winkle, I was also very familiar with. Um, whenever I would cross the bridge over the Hudson River, you could see the mountains, uh, you know, overlooking the river. And my parents would always say, oh, you can see Rip Van Winkle in the mountains. You know, that's his nose. That's his knees. I, I could never find it personally, but I, I just sort of went along with it as, as part of the local oh. folklore. That is awesome. I, yeah, I've never heard of that because I'd never lived there before I moved there for school. But that's so interesting. And honestly, I was thinking yesterday while I was doing research um, that I was shocked that like Riffin Winkle isn't another one of the like animated Disney short features from this time because it seemed to like lend itself to to um, this kind of uh, storytelling. Yeah, it is. It's a very sort of uh, rustic, outdoorsy uh, nature-driven tale. There's sort of fairies, a woodland creatures, magic. Um, so it does seem that it could be ripe for a, a an old-school Disney adaptation. Absolutely. So we're going to just, um, normally folks, we, you know, we have a little bit of a structure to how this, but I kind of told Ryan, we're just going to jump in. So we're going to talk about this because this is the oldest Disney film that uh, we've talked about at this point. Um, and so, you know, this movie came out in 1949 um, and it had been in, you know, work through all of the 1940s um, where uh, several other movies like the three caballeros um, make my music fun and fancy free melody time all kind of came out about this kind of same time with this idea of like the package film. Um, and so we're just going to kind of jump in and we're going to talk about this. Um, and so Ryan, something I forgot because honestly it's probably been ooh, 15 or 20 years since I saw the Ichabod, the, the sleepy hollow portion. I forgot that the entire thing was narrated by Ben Crosby. Yeah. And I think that's uh, one of the, the strong points of the film is his performance. And then you've got wind in the willows narrated by, you know, Basil Rathbone, who at the time, you know, was, he was Sherlock Holmes in something like 13 or 14 movies mm -hmm. during the thirties mm -hmm. and forties. And so you've got, you know, one of the biggest stars in England and one of the biggest stars in America narrating these films. I feel like if, if you had that today, you'd have, you know, a, a Disney package film narrated by Benedict Cumberbatch and, and Robert Downey Jr. Uh, it would be uh, sort of that kind of thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, and honestly, I, um, I, I, when I was watching it, I went, you know, who's unusual enough to play looking to play Ichabod is Benedict Cumberbatch. Like he's got, <laughs> he's got that weird face. Like he's handsome, but like, he looks weird. He just looks like he's wearing his human suit wrong. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. He, and he does sort of have that, that, that very tall, lanky, body type that uh no is ichabod's very famous for when we were texting the other day getting ready for this um you said that this is one of the most iconic disney scores for you let's talk about that a little because it is all sung it's a completely sung through film so talk to me a little bit about what some of the standout kind of music moments as a composer for you kind of really stand out um i think that i mean first off it's it's in that classic Disney style, you've got these grand mm -hmm. 
orchestral, you've got these smooth, clean, uh, you know, vocals, um, and the melodies are just absolutely infectious. Um, and I would actually go say, I think that the, the legend of sleepy hollow bit, the score for that is probably the most underrated, uh, score in Disney history because no one ever references it. But if you, you know, watch it once, you know, the, the song about Katrina or the song about the headless horseman are just so infectious. They get stuck in your head for at least get stuck in my head for, for days after I watched the Mm -hmm. movie. Oh, I agree with you. I was humming along to a lot of them all day today. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I, I will admit, as far as a lot of the Disney films go, I um, I the nostalgia goggles were like on for me for this because I remember Legends of Sleepy Hollow, and I have to admit to everyone out there, I don't think I'd ever actually seen Mister Toad before this watch. So. Um, it's funny. Neither had I. <laughs> Actually, I, nice. I, I originally when you when you were asking me about you know what what film you want to do, Legend of Sleepy Hollow just came into my head, and I actually looked. I was like, oh, this is a package film with Wind in the Willows. And I thought to myself, you know, I've never actually seen Wind in the Willows, uh, so mm. I should probably watch that. So I, I did yeah. finally give up <laughs> this week. So we will we'll we will leave that for a little bit later. We're going to talk about the the Ichabod first. Sure. Um, and um, it's it's interesting because Bing Crosby was an icon in so many ways for so much of the mid century of the 1900s. Um, and he spanned so much and he was in every home. And I think it was interesting to have him play all of these characters and give voice to all of these, these people in this kind of spooky, but not at all spooky Disney film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I would say it, it makes sense because I, I think the sort of context of the entire film of the package, because you've got the little bits in the library uh, in between the two films. It, this is very much a, a person telling you a story. They're regaling you. And I think that, you know, whereas you had uh, just juxtaposing it with when in the willows where you had the characters voiced, I think that they, like I said, Bill uh, Bing Crosby was an icon and his voice was so, beloved that they they looked at him and said you know what i bet he can do this entire film by himself we don't need to hire other actors we can just have him do the whole thing and it i think it works phenomenally honestly i agree there were a couple other men from this era that i think could have done this um but they're all those kind of uh rat pack guys i know i know bing crosby wasn't one of the rat pack but like those men of this era were such storytellers i mean the only other person that my mind immediately went to was danny Kaye, who i also think could have done a really wonderful job um because he's so animated, but I think that would have even been a much different version because he would have had a voice for each of them. And really with this, it's just kind of Bing's voice all the way through telling the story, um, which I think was a really interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, abs- absolutely. Now I, I do think Ichabod doesn't get a really good painting as a per- like as a character. Like they don't really sell him as like the coolest of dude, like the best of people. Um, and I don't know whether it's because he's got odd behavior or kind of effeminate mannerisms, which were looked down upon in the 1940s and 50s, or you know, kind of what it was. But at the end, I found myself going, "Ah, oh, 
you know, maybe it's not awful that Ichabod's not around anymore. Nobody <laughs> knows what happens to him, which which shocked me because every other version of Sleepy Hollow I remember. Now, granted, I will admit probably the best version of Sleepy Hollow I remember as a child is Wishbone. Um, frankly, I think that's the the most on the nose version of Sleepy Hollow I remember uh, as a kid. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's they did this thing where they made him kind of unlikable, but it's because they're treating this like a morality play, not like a, um, a we want you to take something away from this at the or um, I mean that is what a morality play is. Um, it's not like your typical Disney's hero story, like they're like it's just kind of happening. Sure, yeah, uh, and I, I again I. I feel like I need to juxtapose this with, with Mr. Toad now that I've seen it, because now that I know both of them, how similar they are, I think both of these films are about uh, characters with Disney's version of a tragic flaw. Um, Absolutely. Whether it's Toad's impulsivity or in this case, Ichabod's rampant uh, superstition, which is ironic because he's, he's pushed as being, you know, he's a school teacher in this era. Mm -hmm. He is a learned man who shouldn't be mm-hmm. believing in these things. And yet he's, he's the most, uh, you know, gullible of them all. And I think, again, when you push this against the, the townsfolk who are sort of, you know, at the time they're country bumpkins, they don't really know anything. They believe in these ghosts yet. Uh, the story of the headless horseman doesn't bother them. It's, it's all fun and games for them. They're all having a good time. Meanwhile, Ichabod is terrified out of his wits at this party, hearing this, this story that Brom Bones tells about the Headless Horseman. Which Disney kind of loves to do, because for me, there are a couple parallels here between, well, just the town center and kind of how this beginning is. It's a little proto-Beauty and the Beast um, in, in how they set up with, with Ichabod coming to town and, like, Brom Bones is even kind of Gaston. <laughs> he's, I think he's very much, um, like, Gaston in a way. Which, I don't mind. We'll get to him. I like Brom Bones <laughs> a lot. I like him a lot. But um, also, like, they did this in Hocus Pocus as well. This is the thing. When we meet the townspeople of Salem, they unequivocally believe in this idea of the Sanderson sisters and their the idea of revenge from the, the hateful Puritans of the Salem witch era. And I think it's so interesting that Disney... For a you know wholesome family company, always you know kind of does the ooky kooky, spooky in such a family way, but still goes you know these things are real, but we're not going to explain any of it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I I think especially with this film, um, what's surprising about the, the scary portions of it is that it it ends sort of with the the scary bit. This I, it's very odd. Mm-hmm. This is a Disney film, and this is shown mm-hmm. the, this second of the two films that's shown uh and it just sort of ends with you know there's a chance ichabod could have gotten away married but eh, we don't believe any of that nonsense he got he got carried off to the spirit realm by the headless horseman and he's dead forever good night we've been you know we've been disney and that is so <laughs> odd to me that they chose this film second uh to, to close out the night when it's kind of a really <clears throat> creepy ending <laughs> And it's shorter by almost half the half the runtime than Wind in the Willows. Like yeah. it's a really short film. Most of the sixty-eight minutes of this movie is Wind in the Willows. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I agree with you. I think I would have pushed it first, and I do think there's a reason why after the initial release um, that until recently it was never 
released together. It was released separately. Um, and then it was shown separately on Disney Channel and and other times when they showed like the Disneyland movie hour um, and those kinds of things that I think that is why they made that decision. Also, because there's not a ton of semblance between, um, you know, Victorian London and, um, uh, you know, 1790 um, central New York, um, when, yeah. when New York city wasn't even barely established. Um, and I think it's so interesting because putting it in that time, no one really, I mean, this is, I mean, Oh, sorry. I had a thought, which is honestly, the country had just watched the world at war on television and in movie theaters where they were going to see, well, not really television yet, but, um, um, but they were going to see these serials of Disney films and Mickey mouse. And so they were watching live combat footage. So while this is, we think of this as scary. And I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big weenie. So, you know, everything's scary for me. Um, Maybe it's not as shocking that this was kind of as scary as it was, Considering that there was probably, you know, um, world rebuilding and things that were were shared as part of this before, you know, as the serials. Sure. Yeah. And again, I think there's a certain level of whimsy uh, to this film. You know, mm-hmm. you've got the classic, um, you know, Disney animation with these lush backgrounds, but these very exaggerated, goofy looking characters you've got you know again bing crosby's smooth sonorous voice that uh just seemed to put an entire generation at ease so i i think uh we might be reading into the horror aspect uh a little too much instead of you know that they might have just chosen this because it's a classic of of american literature I agree. Um, and, that, you know, that's just when we were also seeing an education boom and people were coming back from war and going to college. Um, so, it, you know, it does make sense. And also it's a specifically American piece of literature when America was kind of building its its I- identity as a nation still, um, you know, being less than 200 years old at this point. Um, and so I think now, can you talk a little bit on kind of some of the differences of what they left out of this film that, cause I unfortunately have not read the Irving not, um, novella or the, the segment on um, the little story. Could you tell us just a little bit more about the story and maybe some diversions they made? Um, telling this sure. version of it? Well, um, so Irving originally wrote this piece uh, in a, a book he wrote called the sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon, um, mm-hmm. where he, you know, was touring around England at the time and writing just about the things that he saw. And indeed, most of the short stories in that book aren't even really stories at all. It's just 12 pages describing a church he visited. Um, but towards the oh, end, uh, towards the end of the book, there's two stories, Rip Van Winkle and Legend of Sleepy Hollow, that sort of uh, diverge from this into a, a, a narrative um, structure. And so I would say that the Disney cartoon is very faithful to the original story, you know, in the, the classic Irving style, there's a lot of description. Um, it's one of the longer stories in the book simply because he just goes into absurd detail about every little thing. But it, it's the same basic premise. Um, Ichabod comes to this town. He's superstitious. He's staying around. He notices Katrina, gets into, you know, uh, a bit of a war with Brom Bones. Um, something that was left out of the Disney version is that he actually talks to Katrina at the party and leaves dejected. It's not, 
it's not stated what was said. Uh, Irving basically says, you know, Ichabod must have been in a bad mood after their conversation because he left in a hurry. Um, the sort of chase uh, scene is also a lot shorter in the book, and it's much less intense. Um, Ichabod sort of notices that there's this shadowy figure kind of trailing him slowly. He picks up the pace and eventually it breaks into a sprint. But uh, the horseman does not have a sword um, and doesn't necessarily try to kill uh, Ichabod. And it, it sort of ends with, oh, he, he reared up and threw his head at him. And then, of course, the next morning, Ichabod's gone. It's a shattered pumpkin, which is really meant to symbolize that there is no headless horseman. This was clearly just mm. Brom Bones, um, mm-hmm. you know, pulling a, an ultimate toxic masculinity move and uh, mm-hmm. assaulting his rival out of town. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. But uh, other than that, uh, the, the Disney version is pretty faithful to the original story. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading through, as, as we've been talking, I've been kind of reading through just a little bit of summation of here and there. And just that idea that actually, like, it looks like Katrina, I don't want to call her the villain, because, again, this is a different time where women are treated and handled very differently in film um, and which we kind of have to address when we're thinking about women's place in film, even in Disney films in in the late 1940s. Um, And so this idea that like, she's actually just playing Brahm by making him jealous by being with Ichabod. And so at no point was she actually interested in Ichabod, which is kind of sad. I feel kind of bad for him because he's a big dolt otherwise. Yeah. Um, and and, and she's um, Katrina's portrayed in the film very much in the way that she's portrayed in the book is that they use the word coquette, but basically she's yes. you know a flirt. But other than that, especially um, in the movie, she's very much treated almost as an object, as a, a mm-hmm. trophy to be won or a, mm-hmm. a MacGuffin, if you will. She's not really given her own characterization in the right. in the film. Right. Women aren't people. What are you talking about, Ryan Christopher Thomas? <laughs> it was the 40s. Um, you know, it was the 40s. I mean, things haven't really changed now as much as we like That's to true. think they have, which is unfortunate. But, you know, it's it's kind of, um, it's a really simple story. I will say that there is nothing scarier than the first year when I went to Mickey's Not So Scary. And the parade starts with the headless horseman riding down Main Street with a flaming pumpkin in his hand. <laughs> It's so scary. I was like, I paid a hundred dollars for this. Get me out of here. (laughs) Um, But I think it's interesting that like, that's what people kind of remember from this. Um, Cause I'm sure they show it every once in a while. And um, it's not been in the initial release on Disney plus, which, um, you know, I find interesting because Mr. Toad is so well remembered, albeit from his attraction. Um, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, I would have thought they would have, this would have been one of those like day one releases for, um, Disney plus, which I'm sure someone out there will correct me. Um, and by the time this is coming out well, Disney plus will have been out for a couple months. So it's probably been released since then. Um, so actually I, I can answer that. It, it is on, uh, it is on Disney is, plus because uh, I watched, right. I mean, I watched wind in the willow, but they, it was, it was put on Disney plus as the package film as adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Right. Okay. Yeah. Great. Well, I didn't look right because I went and bought it on Amazon. Now, granted, it was four dollars, <laughs> so I didn't mind. But, um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's really interesting, and it's hard because 
it's a it's I don't want to call it a succinct story, but it's a very simple story. It's very well told, and I, it's very kind of jovial and fun to watch. Um, and I, you know, I do question of I don't know if I would show it to my small child, but my older child I would definitely show it to. Sure, yeah, and like I said, I. I first saw The Legend of Sleepy Hollow uh, on VHS when I was a very, very young, young child. And uh, <laughs> the Headless Horseman scared me so bad that even to this day, uh, the scene where they're uh, Ichabod and, and Gunpowder, the horse, are laughing, you know, about the, the reeds bumping mm. against the log, mimicking, you know, the pitter-patter of hooves. Uh, I still get a little tense. Like, when it, like I know the horseman's about to use <laughs> maniacal laugh. What's happening? What's happening? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think I think this this is another movie where I love watching much older films with very kind of simplistic storytelling elements and 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 filmmaking elements of the beauty of Foley art and it is so present in this the sound design I think is so rich and fantastic and I can just see these dudes smoking in a dark room making all of these sounds as they're watching the kind of playback of the movie yeah um, yeah, it is. It's very, it's very rich. Um, you've got uh, especially the scene where Ichabod's riding alone, and you hear the crickets and the frogs, and you've got the owl hooting, and it's very anxiety-inducing. I think the the sound design especially really um, captures the that fear of being alone in the dark and uh, the sort of everyday noises that suddenly become terrifying because they could be anything. Yeah. 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 Those cat of nine tails. I always heard the, the cat tails, not cat of nine tails. That's so a very different movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, the cat tails. I was like, how is the person not there? Like when you hear and you're expecting to see the villain and you know, they're coming and that just the cat tails ended up going on about five seconds too long when he finally sees it. And you're like, Oh, I can breathe even though I know it's coming. Okay. Okay, here we are. Yeah, the <laughs> Yeah, the timing the timing on that I think was impeccable. Um because it it does. It's like, okay, they're they're laughing way too long right now. Like what's what's going on? And then it just smacks you out of nowhere that shot of the the horseman sort of reared up and he's got his flaming head and his sword and he's cackling like a maniac it's uh really makes quite an impression on you when you're four years old oh i can imagine i can imagine um what do you think is so kind of um i don't want to say pervasive but what makes this story kind of stick around with us still because like we are still telling variations of this or people remake the sleepy hollow um version of uh of this kind of over and over again why do you think it's such like a, a story that stayed with us well i i think part of it is because it's based on actual folklore not from upstate new york um but in ireland uh and germany there are sort of their own versions of a of a headless rider i don't know the, the german word for it but uh in ireland it's called a dolahan this this concept of a headless rider that's that's out looking for revenge for its lost head so i think that's part of it uh that these these stories this is sort of a, a classic ghost if you will um and then again you had washington irving who was such a popular writer of his day uh sort of bringing this to an american audience and it getting again uh 
passed down, retold, especially by something as big as, as Disney, um, is what keeps it going. And again, there's, it's been retold by so many, especially children's authors who, you know, make it into picture books, put it into language that's more easily understood by children. Um, which is again, after I saw the Disney short, I became obsessed with the story. I read at least three or four different children's versions of the Mm -hmm. legend of sleepy hollow before I read the actual thing. Um, and I think it's, it's sort of, uh, it's a fascinating story because again, it, it hinges very much on that idea of a tragic flaw that if Ichabod was a more sensical, rational person, this might not have happened to him. Mm -hmm. That's a really interesting outlook on that is that a lot of this brought, uh, you know, this was brought on to Ichabod himself, which is interesting in a world where we're all, you know, everyone around us is living with some form of anxiety or panic or depression that is very real. And it's something that's very manifesting in a lot of us and does affect our day and kind of how each of our days goes. That's so interesting to think that like, like so much of what um, Ichabod's downfall was his own paranoia and his own superstition. Sure. Uh, and, so and again, it's, 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 uh, it's stated so much in the book that he's not really afraid of juxtaposing it against, um, you know, anxiety is that he's not really concerned by worldly matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's mm-hmm. very confident. He's a bit of a ladies man. He loves a good meal. Uh, he's the toast of the town. Everyone loves him. But every time that he's walking home from the school at night, he's terrified that a goblin is going to jump out and get him. Mm-hmm. Listen, which I connect with so hard. I don't think I've ever met a 35-year-old that's as much as scared of the dark as I am. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, Halloween Horror Nights was an event for me this year. Right? <laughs> um, but but yeah, it's, I think it's so interesting. Now, Ryan, my question for you. Um, in, in the days of Disney remakes, reboots, and live-action versions... Tim Burton did do a live action version in 1999 for Paramount. That was very scary. Would you like to see a Disney like Brockheimer version of this, like a Disney live action remake? That's a, uh, no. Um, Oh, okay. I, I, uh, so I saw bits and pieces of sleepy hollow and I, I read a plot synopsis of it on, on Wikipedia and they, they just obviously to stretch it into a feature length film, they add so many elements. There's a witch who's resurrected the corpse of the headless horseman to haunt the village. And Ichabod is a detective. He's not a teacher. Um, I think this particular Disney cartoon, what, what makes it so good and such a classic is that it is so such a quintessential piece from the era. Um, Mm -hmm. And that it's, I would say it's style is what makes it so good. And that I don't know if this story would necessarily translate uh, into a more contemporary telling. No, I I agree. Because I think even if I were to say, yeah, let's move forward with, I would want it to be kind of set in the exact same period don't deviate from the story, give us that story, but then maybe play it up a little. But I also think that maybe this is one that we just kind of leave where it is. I think it's really, it's really sweet and charming and there's not a reason to make everything super scary. 
Exactly. And I think everything makes things traumatizing because I think this, this story can very easily be traumatizing. Sure. Um, so yeah. So I think it's one of those that I, I kind of agree with you now. I feel like because I've put it in the, in the ether that someone's going to go, let's do it. <laughs> I'm going to go, Oh man. Yeah. But just cause let's be honest, it would probably end up being like Benedict Cumberbatch's as, um, Ichabod, Ichabod. Crane. And while he's a delightful actor, there are other actors out there. Disney, I know you have people under contract, but there are other people out there. <laughs> and just while we're at yeah. it, can we stop? While we're at it, can we stop putting Scarlett Johansson in things? I'm just going to ask. Just please. I, I full agree here. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And so, I mean, I don't know if there's much else to say kind of about, uh, about the sleepy hollow portion of this, just cause it's really fun. I encourage anybody out there that hasn't seen it, especially cause I know everybody out there has to have Disney plus at this point when you all are listening to, and I'm sure everybody that's at least listening to this podcast has Disney plus. I would encourage you all to go watch it again. If you haven't, it's, it's really fun. And Ryan, like you, I think I'm going to add it to my, um, my Halloween, my Halloween circuit now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And I think what uh, part of what draws me to it so much also is it's, it's a deep cut, you know, it's one that people haven't seen as much as say another from the era, something like Dumbo or uh, mm-hmm. Snow White. And uh, I think also uh, part of what's good about it is that there's apart from the treatment of, of Katrina, there's not a whole lot in the way of problematic material um, <laughs> that you have to sort of explain around uh, with mm-hmm. other films of the era, like, you know, like the crows in Dumbo or the, the native Americans oh. in Peter Pan, Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that is, is charming and of the era, but for the most part, wholesome and not uh, abusive. I, I agree. Cause even, even the mocking of Ichabod and things are, I mean, we always make fun of people that are different than ourselves. That's kind of, um, a, a thing that's through and while it's not right, you know, Ichabod also didn't really do anything to affirm his relationship with the people. And I'm sure that's me in not, uh, siding with the victim. You know, it's hard to mm-hmm. talk about these things in 2019, 2020, but I think, yeah. I think if we take this at face value and realize that it's of a time, um, I think, and we just sit back and enjoy it. I think it's quite fun and enjoyable and it's silly. And, you know, though I I think it does say, Hey, if you're like Brahm, uh, go scare the crap out of the weird guy and he'll leave town. But, you know, I think those are also those things where as a parent, if you're worried about those things, talk to your kid about it. Tell your kid not to be a bully. I don't know. Sure. (laughs) I I think, I think Brahm is very much made out to be, uh, the villain and you could almost make the argument. So since it's, um, especially in the story heavily hinged out that, that Brom was the headless horseman is saying that, you know, there, there are no monsters in the woods. There are just really, really awful people. Mm-hmm. Uh, out yeah, there. absolutely. It's, it's almost that uh, American horror story freak show thing where it's the actual villains weren't the people who were the differently able people. They were the people of how they treated everybody. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I guess let's, 
dive into Mr. Toad now, uh, Wind in the Willows, which um, has kind of its own prolific Disney history in a way that I think more people remember this from the Mr. Toad, uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride attraction Mm -hmm. uh, at Disneyland um, that was at Disney World before they closed it and put in Winnie the Pooh. Um, yeah. And there were, but there I, were protests about that. I believe oh, people actively were, protested oh, in the park. Yes. Yes, because it was the early it was the early stages of where the internet could be uh, rallying people together, and you know it, it, there are fandoms that have always existed in Disney and Star Trek are two of those, and so you know there was always a message board for Disney, and people were like on property protesting, um, and I finally got to go to Disneyland this year, and when I rode Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, I went, you know. This was super fun. It's silly, it's short, but I get why people were upset because it was a really cool ride. But I, I'm also not a purist when it comes to a lot of Disney things. And I say, hey, well, if something's not working, let's move on a little. Um, sure. And and again, I think it has that element of being, uh, you know, a classic. Um, I think mm-hmm. that especially uh, when things that people know and love from their own childhood get replaced by by things from a new generation's childhood, it, it it gets you a little upset. You know, I was I was very upset by the closing of uh, the Tower of Terror for the Guardians of the Galaxy ride. Guardians of the Galaxy is a great film, but I don't have the the connection to it that I did to the Twilight Zone. Right. Which I mean, thankfully, you can still come down here to Disney World and ride Tower of Terror because it's not going anywhere. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, again, I got to see the Guardians overlay, and I'm not a big Tower of Terror fan because I'm a weenie. So I went <laughs> through it just for the queue because, again, I'm a weenie. Um, and it was really fun. But, again, it's it's tie into that need of the moment versus the need of the long term and the need of keeping longevity at your park. So I think we'll see with this kind of Marvel opening at Disneyland what that, you know, what that ultimately means for them. Um, and, you know, of Tower of Terror, because I believe there's one in the Asian parks as well as Disney France or Disneyland Paris. So, um, but, you know, it's, it's that thing of, again, I don't think I've ever seen Mr. Toad and, I'm going to be controversial for a second. As fun as it was, I don't really feel I was missing out by not seeing this movie. I I actually had a similar uh, reaction to it. Because, uh, again, I had this huge uh, love for Legend of Sleepy Hollow. It's like, okay, I finally get to mm-hmm. see the other half. I'm like, okay, well, that was good, I guess. But it didn't really seem to make a, make an impact on me. And I'm wondering if uh, if there's someone who's listening to this from from England who has the opposite opinion that they grew up with Mr. Toad and uh, they finally saw Legend of Sleepy Hollow. They're like, oh, what you know, what was that nonsense? I, I also would love to hear from anybody out there. Um, don't forget, you can go to our website, which is DolaDreamsPod.com and comment on our blog post. Uh, you can go to our Facebook or Twitter and let us know what you're thinking because yeah, I had a really hard time getting through toad just because as an adult who has had really shitty friends for most of my life uh, with these, you know, random exceptions like oh, you, Ryan, thank you. Um, that, um, you know, we've all had people like toad in our lives. And honestly, at the end of the day, you go, you know what? Maybe sometimes you deserve what you get toad. <laughs> and maybe, I, 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 <laughs> I want to add, I think some of us have been towed uh, at certain points of our lives. Oh, yes. We we've, we've all been towed as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, get caught on these, these flights of fancy that just uh, lead us to 
uh, havoc and ruin. Um, uh, but I, I think that is a good way of looking at it. Every group of friends has that one person who's just a little, a little too much at certain times. And I mm-hmm. think there, there very much is a limit to, uh, how much we're willing to put up with, I think could be an interesting lesson to take away from, from this film. I agree. Uh, you know, it's funny is I was on Facebook, you know, I always like to, cause as an adult with ADHD, I like to, um, chalk a movie up to, did I want to look at my phone while I was watching this movie? Like how many times did I go on Facebook? And what was funny is about the third time I checked my phone in the 38 minutes, 40 minutes of, um, Mr. Toad, I saw a picture of Elon Musk and went, huh, awful lot like our friend Toad here. <laughs> like, I don't know why I just, I, it was a, a meme of Elon Musk smoking a joint in his, his new little like cyber truck mm-hmm. thing. And I was like, it's just Toad. It's just the new <laughs> Toad, my dude. I just, um, you know, and it, I think it's a really fun movie. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is a little, uh, you know, a little alienating, especially in the, the times that we live in, that, uh, you know, the, the main character is this eccentric, uh, very, very rich person who's, who's making all these foolish decisions and uh, gets sent to prison. And I'm sitting here watching thinking, am I really upset that this foolish rich person is in jail for like, no, like Toad deserves this. There's probably some poor, starving woodland animals out there. Uh, and Toad is just, uh, you know, bathing in wealth and and crazy, foolish gambits. Going back and juxtaposing this with Legend of Sleepy Hollow, I think is interesting because we talk about Legend of Sleepy Hollow being a Halloween film. Uh, this could very easily be a Christmas film, um, given that a big section takes place on Christmas Eve. <laughs> this is this this uh, Ichabod and Mr. Toad is the original Nightmare Before Christmas. Do you wake up every morning, roll over, and check your favorite social media feed, only finding that you wish you had never looked at all? Well, Inklings is here to lift those doldrums during month of November. Inklings is a fictional short story podcast that will run daily on weekdays during the month of November from Dreamer Productions, the Dole and Dreams podcast, and Isolation Cast, Voices from Quarantine. Let your mind run to its deepest desires in the isolation of imagination. The stories will run two to ten minutes, so take a break for yourself and enjoy Inklings, your daily short story indulgence. You can find Inkling by liking and subscribing the Dollop and Dreams podcast, as well as Isolation Cast Voices from Quarantine, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Thank you, as always, for tuning in for a special Lost episode of the Dolphin Dreams podcast. Uh, technology is not always our friend. That is why this was recorded about a year ago, just like a month after we started the show. So thank you again for Ryan Christopher Thomas. And I'm really happy that I was able to share the bit of the show that I could salvage with you all. As always, follow the link tree on all of our social media to find us everywhere across the internet. Now, next week is our one-year anniversary episode, and I can't believe you all have just dealt with my nonsense for a year, but I thank you. There's a huge announcement coming that I'm so excited for next week after the show, so you have to tune in to hear it. 
And don't forget to listen after the show for a sample of what you can expect from the Hunted Encore from Charging Moose Media. Now may your days be filled with dull whip and dreams. POV. Certain POV.com.